Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Nella MX. She is a life coach, an author, a forensic psychologist, and also an energy worker. Nella, welcome. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you for what you do for us women. We need men like you. I am doing really well today. And I want to say one thing sure. uh, straight up front that I st- stutter. So so please bear with me. Yeah, of course. So it's not technology breaking. It's my speech. <laughs> no problem at all, Nella. Not a problem. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. I'm really excited to have you here and to jump in and share more about who you are, the beautiful light you shine out into the world, and your personal journey and story. So with that being said, let's jump right in. As I mentioned, you are all of those things, and that is one hell of a resume, and that's a lot of hats you wear and responsibility. So I'm curious, how on earth do you find the time for all of this, and how important is prioritization and organization to you? Well, I don't, you know, (laughs) that's the thing. (laughs) I don't find time. But uh, I must say that I didn't start this all at the same time, and it just happened gradually. So basically, first was, I think, actually writing, and then I went into psychology, and then came coaching. So right now I am doing everything, which is kind of a lot. Yes. But what you said, organization is the key for me. And I am a very organized person. And I think actually this comes from my culture. I am from Slovakia and we are all kind of OCD. So I am like, like OCD about organizing things. So don't mess up stuff in my office okay that's a crime <laughs> don't, don't touch crime. that stuff on my desk <laughs> yes exactly yeah that's me so i would also love to know then with you wearing so many hats what does your morning routine look like well i will tell you my my ideal day so i'm not a morning person which means okay. uh, don't talk to me <laughs> right away <laughs> when i get up no i need to have my tea and it is a black tea with a lot of sugar, unfortunately, yes, I have this bad habit of sugar, and I love sugar. After that, I what I like to do is I do like 15 minutes of short of a workout, just like stretching, maybe some yoga poses, or you know, some something light, just to start my body going. Yeah. Then it depends what I have scheduled. If I 
go to work or I have a cli clients that I see from home or I can actually write. So I work. If I can write somewhere in between, that's, that's absolutely awesome. Uh, I try to catch a while to do some, some kind of spiritual exercise, maybe okay. like mindfulness, a short meditation. And then in the evening, I like to go to the gym. But it's not every day. It's like three times a week, maybe two times a week. And so like that's my ideal day. <laughs> but <laughs> that just almost never happens. Of course. And so, yeah. So we have to adjust to circumstances, of course. Absolutely. Nella, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do? You know, this is a very good question because I've been actually thinking about it a lot. Now, like, why am I doing this? You know, because it's not easy. So I'm some, sometimes I just like, why I cannot just sit and do nothing and it's fine. You know, so I think that I have this, this internal motivation to do things. And when I put some, something into my head, I, I go for it. And you just get it done. You know, it's, uh, I think it's not always a positive thing. Right. Because sometimes you have to let go. Especially when you see that, that things are not going the right direction. Maybe it's good to let go, but I just can't do it. I go, I go, I go, and it actually happens most of the time. Yep. <laughs> Determination and resilience. I love it. <laughs> I guess. It's As mentioned, me. sorry? Yeah, it's something in me. Yeah. I can't explain. <laughs> As mentioned, you are a forensic psychologist. What inspired you to study psychology and more specifically forensic psychology? So this this goes back to my childhood because when, when I was, I think, 11 years old, I met a psychologist and she was looking for a girl with speech impairment to work with her. Okay. And that girl was me. And I got three years of free psychotherapy. And we did it all. We did, we did spiritual part of it. We did meditation, breathe work. At that time, it was holotropic breathing. was very popular. They love it. We did cognitive reconstructuring. We did emotional work. It was just amazing. And it changed my life. It did not take away my stuttering, but, but it really changed my life. And so then I went into entertainment in industry and I, I was just in this like dark, deep hole. And when I was coming out of it, I thought about what was the time in, in my life when I felt the best. And I remembered it was when I was actually working out and doing spiritual work. That's when I felt really powerful and unbeatable. So, yeah, so I went back to that. And I studied psychology, yeah, obviously, because I did so much, so much work in it. And I was always interested in psychology. Why forensics? I think there were two reasons. For, first of all, I like challenges. So I said to myself that if I'm going to do psychology, it's going to be the most difficult cases. And right. I, I accomplished that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it was 
I think because I was in the entertainment industry, I was close to crime. And so I was very familiar with this criminal lifestyle. So, yes, I think these two things made me go to forensic. Okay, interesting. That's what I think. It might be a different reason there. (laughs) (laughs) And how long have you been a forensic psychologist now, Nella? So I've been doing forensic psych for, I think, more than 10 years. Yeah. And so when <laughs> you're in a journey. And so when you're doing your psychology work, do you find it hard not to bring your work home with you? And how do you deal with that so that you do your best not to do that? Yeah, this is a very good question because obviously. You get the, the energy from your environment, from your clients, patients. So it's very important for any mental health professional or coach to learn how to deal with it. And so I think with time, I learned how to separate myself from that. It's almost like, like a wall in between me and the work. Right. And, and a good thing is that when I work in correctional facilities, as soon as I leave, as soon as the gate locks, I am out. Yeah. I don't bring my work home. I don't have to work from home. And I think it's actually very, very good. So it's not, I mean, I would think that that takes practice to get to that point where you can leave it behind. So it takes a lot of work to do that, to be able to do that, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think at the beginning, we all have this, like that, that it kind of penetrates into our lives. I know people who work in corrections and they have double fences at home and they have bunkers, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So it's not easy, but you know, it also desensitizes you. And that's, I think, another issue because I laugh at things that like are just horrible many times or like my laundry reading is some kind of a crime how a man is remembered his wife you know that's what I really read at lunch you know and stuff like that <laughs> yeah so so like it becomes kind of a kind of a really desensitizing yep yeah word yeah and I just got used to it and like to be honest with you I love it and the stories I hear in corrections you can't make that up <laughs> you you just can't make that up. Yeah, I'm sure. And so I'm curious then, if I may ask about your corrections work, I would think that it's a pretty much male-dominated industry, right? Yes, it is. So how is that for you as a woman? And what kind of adversity have you had to face working in that world, in the world of corrections, being a, a male-dominated industry? So... How am I going to approach this? Yes, it is male-dominated industry. But, uh, for example, in my jail or like in many jails right now, it's actually staff is 50-50. Okay. 50-50 women and men. However, what like men, men-dominated industry means that like even the women who are in there adjust to the men's culture. Right. And like many times they are even worse than men. So I would say most women adopt this very masculine, aggressive, controlling style. And right. that's how they think they're going to make it. And that's 
how they honestly many times do. Right. But uh, so like it was hard for me at the beginning to to identify myself as a woman in this environment, mm-hmm. and it took me time to to really be a woman in this environment that I simply don't have to be like men. I don't have to leave my femininity and just be like men and and curse, spit, you know, and all these things. Yeah, so I think I did pretty good with that. Uh, And I feel good about myself. That's the main thing. That's right. That's important. I am because because I'm not like that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, and honestly, I love to work work with men. With men, it's fun. We have so much fun. And yeah, it's good. It's good. It depends on you, how you present yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. I want to speak a little bit about your coaching now and coaching in particular, the industry. Now, I've heard a lot of people say that most, if not all coaches have been through their own personal struggles and journey before making the leap into coaching. And of course, we all have had our own shit to deal with and personal journeys as human beings. But what I have found, though, is that for most of the people I speak with who are now coaches, their personal struggles or their personal journey was the catalyst for them becoming a coach. And I know that you have one hell of a story, Nella, through previous conversation and your your recent book, which we'll also talk about a little bit later. Can you share a little bit about your own personal struggles and journey that you were on before making the leap into the coaching world? Okay, so... Struggles. When somebody asks me about my stra- struggles, I f- feel like, what stra- struggle do you mean? You mean mm. st- stuttering? You mean immigration? You mean entertainment industry? You mean, like, what do you mean? I just feel like like I had so much, you yeah. know. That, uh, so I want to say one thing, that I don't believe that struggles always make you strong. Right. I think struggles sometimes make you weak and some sometimes even bre- break you down. And there are many, many broken people in this world who just cannot pull them themselves up. So that's one thing. Second thing is that struggles as it re- relates to coaching. Okay. And this is my opinion that I don't believe that if you go through some struggle, now you are somehow entitled to teach or guide others. And I even think that a person who went through something and they did not process it, if it's not fully processed, they can put their biases, opinions, traumas on their clients. And this is dangerous. So for me, a coach has to have all these struggles processed. And Mm -hmm. then there is a next step. A coach has to be somebody who is at certain spiritual level. Because how can you pull people up if you are not there? Yeah, very true. And also, I'd like to add that just because you have gone through some stuff and been through your shit, I mean, like I said, we've all been through our shit, we've all dealt with different things. Mm -hmm. But just because you have been through stuff and come through doesn't mean that everything's a okay, and you're not going to struggle anymore. You've just gotten through a certain part. 
But I think that we need to talk about that because I think some people think that, okay, I've gone through and I've done the work and I'm okay now and that's it. But no, we're constantly evolving as human beings. There's always work to be done. We never finish. Like we never arrive at that place because life is a journey. Exactly. Yes. So how I got into coaching, uh, first of all, I never wanted to be, be a coach. Okay. Before I thought, thought that coaching is a bu- bullshit, basically. That it is <laughs> some kind of superficial psychology. Right. You know, that like you don't really solve real, real issues. So like, what, what do you do as a coach? So now, how did I, with this mindset, start, started coaching? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I've been doing all this spiritual work, meditations, breath work, energy work for like many, many years, as I said, since the age of 11. So maybe several years ago, what what happened to me was that my the last chakra opened. Okay. And it's the chakra on the top of your head. And I felt like my head was burning. It was like in fi- fire. And since then, I have this like really straight, direct, intense connection with the universe. And it goes just right through me. And after this happened, I knew that this is the moment when I can start helping people, that I can start guiding people. So I I started coaching and it is a spiritual coaching. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's what I do. And it just happened. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so what is it that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else? This is a, a very good question because I don't think I do anything special. Okay. I think many coaches do what I do, you know, meditations, breath work. Some, some coaches do yoga, some coaches focus more on cognitions and so, so on. I do that all. So like we all do kind of the same thing. So what is special about me? It's me. It's really me because we all can do the same thing, but we are different people. Each one of us is unique. Yes. And we have this certain approach to people. And what my clients appreciate the most is I think honesty, that I'm honest and genuine and non non-judgmental you can just tell me anything anything some people say oh, oh i don't want to scare you and i'm like don't don't worry about that I, i'm good <laughs> you know <laughs> so, so i think that's what it is it's really me me as a person and where i got spiritually through my life and that's it and what type of person or client is your ideal client? Like what types of things do you look for in a potential client before deciding to work with them? Okay. So I really don't have an ideal cl- client, to be honest with you. I don't work with children. I don't work with adolescents, although I might. People have, have been asking me. Now, this is the difference between psychology and coaching when i see that, that the problems are deeper 
that that simply this person experiences a really deep major depression or psychosis you know uh, psychosis is basically a person who who is illogical right. how do you work with a person who has no logic you know so like i would say this like people who who have really severe mental health issues need to be treated by psychologists or by psychiatrists and so on so on so as a coach i might not take them because it doesn't make any sense to do spirituality with them okay that makes sense yeah but i think i think pretty much anybody men okay. women yeah it's fine if you connect with me if you like what i say then just yeah just connect with me come come to me and we will be a good match because it's about <laughs> the match yeah for sure. it's about the match and the re- research uh, shows ca- consistently that the only factor that predicts good results is actually connection between yeah. a therapist and client or a coach and a client yeah so yeah so that's the most important really yeah there has to be that energetic connection between mm-hmm. you and your client absolutely with you being trained in multiple areas and you incorporating spirituality and breath work and these different things that you incorporate into your coaching work you're trained in multiple modalities so can you speak a little bit about that and how you incorporate those things into your work as a coach and give us a brief overview of your approach when working with clients good so i combine it all and okay. i combine it to suit you to suit your needs i tailor it to you because we are different people there is no one approach for everyone so of course if we have to address cognitions if i see that you have all these defeating beliefs then we we work on that but i also i like to do meditations from the beginning because once once you move to to higher spiritual level you start see, seeing things differently you have different connection with yourself and connection with the universe and everything changes that's a game changer so i kind of incorporate everything from the start okay uh, okay yeah and then i just want to say that there are different forms of meditation it's not what like people think that now you will be sitting with your eyes closed for 45 minutes <laughs> and i don't do that especially at the beginning because who can focus for like such a long time and i am a high, hyperactive person so yeah so there are people who need to move and so yeah. i have different types of meditations some involve movement some are basically focusing learning how to fo- focus and switch focusing yeah so it can be very dynamic too now i want to talk a little bit about your writing you say that writing is your biggest passion is writing something that has always been part of your life or is this a fairly new thing for you okay so writing came maybe 15 year, years ago and what okay. happened was i simply got this inspiration and i took a pen and i wrote and that's how i write i'm an impulsive writer i don't have a plan i don't have any outline it just it just comes to me and it's kind of scary to say that that i even i feel like i am not writing that it just comes to me from somewhere and i have to write so since then i wrote 
three books, oh, wow. poems. I wrote script. I wrote the short stories. I just write. Just when it comes to you, you write. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what it is. And now you recently released your first book, which obviously is a massive accomplishment. So first off, I'd like to say congratulations. And there are a lot of people out there participating in multi-author books, but you went the route of releasing your own full-length book. So I guess the first question is, why did you decide to write your own full-length book? Well, so it kind of t- ties with like what I said before. I write, so the book has been written for a long time, honestly. But I never intended to publish anything. I, I just you, used to write for myself. Yeah, so this book particularly, I think, was a healing process for me. And it's a book from the entertainment industry when I was in there and I got into many, many dark places. And uh, this book shows mental health, emotional damage that these types of jobs cause. And then it also shows this industry as a system of exploitation and degradation of women. And I just always think about what I've seen and experienced and how a man can have this kind of privilege to come to an establishment yeah. where there are 100 young women and he can choose any of them and do anything he wants as long as he puts money down. You know, and this is an industry where human life is valued less than money. Human life is nothing. And I cannot believe that we still have this, that now in like 2023, we still have this. Why did you decide to to write your full length book? What, like, what was the... Yeah, so I just wrote wrote it, as I said, said I, I just never intended to like publish it. You know, I just I just continued writing and writing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so and so, so what led to your? More, mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Nella. Yes, so the question is more like why? Why did I decide to come out with it? Yeah, why did you? What what made you decide to publish it? I think because I just see all the time young women going into this industry, and. I just want to tell them what it's really like to be there. It's not what you think. It's not easy money, how it is always presented. You basically sell yourself. You sell your body, sell your soul. You sell your personality. You sell everything just to entertain man after man after man. And it's so damaging to a person. And I just feel like everybody can do better. Every person can make money in many, many different ways. And you can make even more money. You don't have to be somebody's whore to make money. Can you share with us the name of the book and when it was released? A sudden name is a stripper from Japan through Switzerland into the deepest secrets of her soul. And it was released on March 16th. Yeah. Very uh, recent. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yeah, we made it to a bestseller. Congratulations. Uh, yes. Oh, thank you. I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and so how has the reception been? How have you, have you heard from people? How, how has the book been received? Okay. So I must say that even before, uh, maybe like one week before the la- launch of the book, 
I still had this thought that maybe I should pull back. Maybe I should not re-release this because, of course, it's my st- st- yeah. story. And it and it puts that light on me, too, and on other women. It's yeah. like it's from both sides. So, yeah, I had this really bad crisis. And what really helped me that I I spoke about it and I, I posted about it on social media and I just had so many people supporting me. People who said, We we got you. I got your back. And that just helped me so so much. And also people who who shared their stories with me. I met so many people who have some kind of connection with this industry. It can be family members. Uh, wow. It can be people who were doing this these jobs long time ago, and yeah. once I start start talking about it, they came to me and shared their stories. And when I asked them, "Would you be willing to share this publicly?" It's always no. Yeah, and I, I understand that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and then it's of course people who are like, "Why? Why now? Why are you doing this?" And all family and so on. I didn't expect support from anyone, basically. Well, I applaud your strength and your courage for standing up and sharing your story. I think it's absolutely incredible that you released this. And I'm sure, as you meant, it was incredibly cathartic and healing for you to write the story. But with the hopes of helping and reaching other women who may be going through a similar thing to show them that you can get out of that life and out of that world. And there, there is light on the other side of it. And there are much bigger and better things waiting for you. Yes. I think is beautiful. Oh, thank you so, so much. And I also want to say, please, people, buy the book, support me in this effort, in advocacy for these people who really don't have any voice. I'll put the link in the show notes when we release your episode for sure. So people can grab the book and read your story and support and help the other women who are in that world. And so I'm curious then, what was the, I guess, the catalyst or the breaking point for you to get out of that life and shift? So this this industry, as I said, is basically full of alcohol, drugs, and sexual favors. That's the norm. And I got to the point when I just couldn't take it anymore. And I think I was given laced drugs. It was supposed to be cocaine, but it wasn't. And I had withdrawal symptoms. But what happened after that was that I just fainted. I fainted in the club and I lied on the floor and I couldn't move. I couldn't control my body. And then I saw my soul coming out of my body and then it came back and then I finally could move. And that's when I knew that I have to get out, not to live better life or anything, but just to survive. And this is what I hear all the time from women in this industry. It's, I almost died. It's just like struggle for for survival. You know, at the beginning, you might feel good. You might feel like a superstar. You get some attention. You get your money. But then you do more and 
more and it's just how you're gonna always entertain men play this game and they touch you and they want this and that and they do things that you don't want them to do so like then you start alcohol drugs just to numb yourself really because it is easier to like do this job with that and, and then, there's no way to live i can't imagine that's horrible yeah, and then once you want to get out, how do you even get out with all this? With like trauma, substance abuse, this like co- cognitive behavioral habits that you got in, in this industry. You know, so it's very hard to change that. Well, that speaks volumes as to who you are as a human being and a woman that you had the strength and the courage and the resilience to pull yourself up and get out of it and want a better life for yourself. You know, sometimes you don't you don't see anything else. You don't see what else is available. When I was in there, that was my way to make money. I didn't see anything else. I just felt that I had to get out to live, to, to, survive, to survive. Yeah. You know, so then I basically, I just started looking around. What can I do? Yeah, but with those behaviors and those habits, let me say something. Sure. Women in this industry learn how to talk, how to walk, how how to look in certain way to get money. They learn how to flirt with men. And so I was just doing that all the time. And that's not adaptive in other fields. You know, because you will get the same response, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, those skills aren't transferable to other industries. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, every man was potential source of money. Every man, no matter where, on the street, in a store, anywhere. And the funny thing is that men actually do respond to that. They do. Nella, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? I think it was because I always thought that one person cannot make a difference. That simply you as one unimportant person, you cannot do anything. And once this spiritual change happened to me and I moved up, to that level, I suddenly knew that one person can make a difference, that everyone can make a difference. One smile can make a difference. One nice word can make a difference. So I think that's that's the most important. I love that. And it's so true. You know, we do, we get stuck. I got stuck in that mindset too. It's like, well, what different, what can I do as one person? But the ripple effect of what you do has so much reach and power. We can make a difference because when you affect that one person, then their day changes and then their day ch- and, it, and so on. And it just spreads out and it has that ripple effect. So one person can definitely make a difference. Absolutely. Yes. What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know how to answer this. I I think there are many, you know, Mm -hmm. for example, that I was able to get out of the industry. And that was also because I met a man who 
who gave me this chance to change that I didn't have to worry for money or like anything. I could just focus on me. So I think that was a huge blessing because I was very, very prone, prone to go back still. Yeah. Can you tell me about a moment when a person's kindness made a difference in your life? Oh, there are so many acts of kindness every day, every day. And I love this, this everyday heroes, people who take care of kids, who take care of their parents, who take care of somebody else is just amazing. And yeah, I always think about this situation when I was in the really very bad money situation and I didn't know what to do. And then this one guy who is my friend, that's not really close friend, he asked if I need money. And I felt so re- relieved. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I think there is just so much kindness around us. We just have to see that. Absolutely. I would agree with you. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Okay. I think it's definitely resilience, persistence. That's for sure. I think it's also vulnerability that I am just willing to straight forward show my weaknesses. I don't care. Uh, So I, I think that's a big one. Because I don't think your weaknesses make you weak. I think your weaknesses make you stronger. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Now, speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? To me, it means that I live a lifestyle that I want to live. That you simply live how you want to live. And it's not really only dependent on money. It depends on many factors, but that's like ideal state for me. Okay. What would you say is one of your biggest failures or we'll call them life lessons or teachable moments? And what did you learn from it? Oh, failures. Okay. Failures. I felt like failure many, many times in my life, especially when things didn't go the way that I wanted them to go, or they were just not moving. It was just nothing was happening. So I, at that time, I actually started to do stillness. Okay. And that's like a technique when you are completely grounded and you don't move. You are like a rock and you simply are empty and you don't move. And that helped me so much. And I still practice it a lot. That helps. What does the word empowerment mean to you? It means to me that I can be myself, that I am myself. I am who who I am. I I don't have to pretend. I don't have to dress and talk in a certain way. I can be myself and I don't have to be anybody's whore. Love it. (laughs) That's, again, I just, I applaud your strength and your courage, Nella, for what you've been through and what you've come through and how you've shifted everything in your life. I think it's absolutely inspiring and incredible. Thank you. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions will be just two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? The queen. 
<laughs> I love it. <laughs> if you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Don't judge. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Oh, uh, I want more, more love. Always love, love, love. <laughs> <laughs> Early bird or night owl? Night owl, that's for sure. <laughs> if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? I don't know this one. Probably as a messenger of change. Okay. What is your favorite self-care practice? Workout, meditation. And that concludes our rapid-fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled <laughs> program. What challenge in your life has shaped you the most? St stuttering. Yep. And it's been my challenge since the beginning. And I still really fight with it. I cannot say fight. I still kind of like try to embrace it. Yeah, but it's been hard. It's been, it's been difficult. And especially doing this, I would never, ever think that I would be doing podcasts ever, <laughs> ever in my life because I I was avoiding it. I used to avoid public speaking, speaking at all. I would I would just be quiet. So just doing this, it's, it means so much for me and how, how I, I accept it. It's amazing. And yeah. thank you so, so much for for accepting me. Oh, of course. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think it's, it, again, this is another bit of your story and your courage and your strength and facing that challenge and taking it on and just doing it. And as you said, it, it took a lot to get here. And again, it speaks to your resilience and you should be very proud. I am. Yeah, I, I am. And I'm also proud that I was able to write a book in English. Yeah, because it's not my first language, and it it was just a huge, huge thing for me. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on all of it, Nella. I think it's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? Surprising. <laughs> <laughs> How ch childish I am still, <laughs> with all this spirituality that I do, and like with all this work, how this small things can still turn my buttons, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And okay. how I can still get angry about things. What aspect of your personality do you think has been most helpful in your career? I think it's the, the ability to take things easy. I'm not defensive. I, I'm okay. I just take it easy. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? So this, I've been thinking about, about this uh, for a while. Because I really don't have any person like that. But who I like, one of them would be Mother Th Teresa. Okay. For sure. For like... A, the work she did. Yeah. And and second one I think would be really Dolly Parton because she's I, an incredible woman. Yeah, yeah, I love her statements. I love what she does with charity. I think she is really amazing. Nella, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that advice be? 
just ignore men. (laughs) (laughs) Ignore their compliments, ignore what they say, because they just want what they want. And I don't have to do that. I don't have to act on that. And lastly, Nella, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your people, your tribe, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Please, people, don't judge. Don't judge because you you don't know what the person went through and the way the person is acting, how they are acting. Just, just approach people with, with understanding and love and openness because that's the most important. That's it. Well, Go ahead. Oh, that's it? Okay. Yeah, that's it. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much, Nella. It's been an absolute pleasure to have this opportunity to sit down and speak with you and learn more about your story and your journey and share that with the Empowerography community. You are a truly incredible, inspirational, resilient, strong, courageous woman. And I appreciate you taking the time to be here with me today and share your story and your journey and just keep shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world through all the work that you do. Brad, thank you so much for for having me. And again, thank you for what you do for us women. And I think that's absolutely amazing. And we need more men like you because I know there are so many good men but uh, many times they simply don't speak or like they don't say anything. And yeah. so, so thank you so much. It is my pleasure and my absolute honor. Once again, thank you. My name is Brad Walsh. I'm the host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Nella MX. She is a life coach, an author, a forensic psychologist, and an energy worker. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day, Nella, and thank you once again for sharing your story and your journey and for being a member of the Empowerography community. I appreciate you. Thank you, and have a great day. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca Follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.